It's a muscle tea kind of Tuesday. I got my Staten Island on me and I got my Staten Island Stevie content back in the building. Steve was in the Hamptons this past weekend. I couldn't grab him on Friday. We have a wonderful, wonderful guest, Dan Shaughnessy, the great Dan Shaughnessy. He wrote the book, The Curse of the Bambino. He is beloved. He is hated in Boston, but he is the local historian. So we'll get to um, the passing of the great Bill Russell of Ben Scully as well. Uh, today is Bob Cousy's birthday. We talked about Bob Cousy on uh, the podcast as well. He is 94. He is one of the last remaining Celtics from that genre, that era. Steve, that was quite the well-winded introduction. What's up? Do you have your muscle tea on today? I don't have my exact muscle tee on today, but I have a workout shirt that my wife would love for me to get rid of because it's old and she wants me to get new workout stuff. I'm like, there's no workout. There's no reason to get new workout stuff. I just sweat in it. That's it. She and wants she you to get workout clothes that so she can take um, a TikTok. By the way, Alex, Alex, who is Steve's wife, is excellent. <laughs> she ridiculous. runs all of the TikTok and social. She wants you to like get a new sponsor for workout tees. Here's the best part about growing up in my family was that every time my dad is the same, like he re he's probably has clothes from the 80s still and T-shirts from motorcycle rallies, like whatever. Every time that like there would be a hole in something like my mother, we, we would all like rip the sock. We would rip the shirt. Like that's yep. the best part about having old clothes. Is that, I, I mean, it is. And like, that sound so, weird. Like, no, it doesn't. My grand, my grandfather, my grandfather, RIP, he used to him and his, there's a story, him and his brother, they both had a little hole in their shirt, like at the table one day. And one of them like went over with his pinky and he ripped it a little bit. And then the other brother went back. And he ripped it until they were both sitting there shirtless because they just ripped each other's shirts to shreds sitting at the table in front of my grandmother and my aunt. So, yeah, no, it's not weird. It happened to my family, too. And it's crazy, too. I don't think I hate not hate. I don't I just don't. I'm simple. I If I have clothes that I work out in, like, I'm just going to keep wearing those clothes. Like, Alex is just like, no, like you got to rotate out clothes. You got to get new clothes. I'm like, I don't I don't need, I'll get new clothes like to go out and like, you know do those things but like the yeah. workout stuff i'll i will run my workout clothes into the ground yeah. and then now she started secretly throwing them out on me oh no that is that's a big no-no in marriage she you she's, can't do she, that shit she's like no nah, i threw it out it had a hole in it oh no or my she's socks not, she's or gonna blame she's gonna blame the laundry damn it Steve. or my or my socks sometimes like i i was wearing like these workout socks that had like a little rip in it, not like on the toes, like on the bottom. She's like, that's got to get thrown out. I'm like, why? It's still good. I could wear it. She's like, then the next time laundry comes around, she's like, I threw, I threw it out. There's a hole oh in it. You shouldn't be wearing God. it. So listen, she's here, getting me. Here is, here is my solution. Every time that she throws something out, she has to put a dollar in Steve's betting tip jar. That's like, a good one. You know, like if she really wants to throw something out, she's got to contribute back to the fund. So that listen, like, when you want to wake up on a Saturday morning and bet $35, $40 on uh, the Washington Nationals underdog at plus 200, and I wake up and see that alert on Better Edge, betteredge.com slash Courtney, $20 free. Come on, guys, get your, get, get your shit together. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's get on, get on board before football season. Um, Steve, you've lost me like a decent amount of money <laughs> with some of these these heavy, heavy dogs. I checked the score. I was like, yo, Steve's on the Nationals right now? Fuck yeah. 
Six I, nothing I, in the first. <laughs> six nothing in the first. Then the night before, I was like, did a whole Fade Fallon Friday video. Uh, I went one for two, but I was betting. You, bet, you bet the Mets. That's not on me. I, I bet Mets money line minus 135. There was a lot of money that was getting taken by the Mets because their pitcher was, uh, you know, Taiwan Walker was a beast. And then I checked the score and the Braves were up six, nothing in the first. And I was like, well, damn. Yeah, However, I didn't tell you about that. I didn't tell you about that one. No, you know what though? I'm still blaming it on you because you're a Mets fan. But I did, however, cash. I um I strategically bet the under on the Texas Rangers Chicago White Sox because Dylan Cease is a monster on a the monster. mound. Um, under one ERA in the month of July. So that one cash. We've got a lot of good, good picks for you. We it's, it's week one of preseason this week, Steve. Are you excited? I- I'm excited. I'm excited about week one of preseason. So me and my co-host Anthony on Parlay Friday are yes. doing a we're doing a t-shirt giveaway. We're oh. calling it we're calling it NFL preseason parlay giveaway. You got we want people to put together a preseason parlay of three legs or more. And the either if you win, you'll get a free t or close to win it, we'll pick the best one, give a free t-shirt. We did this earlier in the year with baseball and it went pretty well. But now yeah. this one is going to be more fun because it's NFL. And like I, I said, you had to be an absolute maniac to bet on NFL preseason. And now I'm like giving away free T-shirts for people to do it. So here we go. Listen, listen, you know, if your profit margins are high, if the money is coming in because you're making good content, Stevie content is like he's just racking up, racking up all <laughs> the dough. Listen, I, I like I'm not here to promote. Obviously, I'm here to promote my own merchandise on my podcast. But I, I have to drop this line. Like Steve was like, yo, I got to cop you a shirt. Okay. Tell me this is not the best like NFL gambling shirt of all time. It says parlay Friday, big risk energy. Yes. Like, That's it. is that not the best? Give me five of them. I will buy five of your t-shirts and give away on this podcast as well. You know, cause we love cross promoting. Let's go. All right. I love that's that's that, that's a deal. I'm sending them to you. I'm sending Send them to you. Send, Send them up. today. We'll do. I got I got those in men's and women's. So oh, like, okay. I got, All right. So those Listen, are great. You got to satisfy the chicks. You got to satisfy. Oh, the women yeah. That listen. Oh, yeah. To this podcast. All also, right. also, women have way better ideas for T-shirt ideas than I do that. I got that from one of Alex's really good friends. So like they have re- you like you women are smarter than men. We know okay. this. I'm not afraid to admit it. And uh, they had just better ideas. So it's great. Marketing department right there. Um, So I have an idea for a t-shirt. I was walking past in the gym in my building. Someone had a t-shirt that said kettle, soda, ice, and lime. <laughs> like, like just basically, you know, like the, the, the friends one that's like yeah. four things. So I'm going to think of, um of a good, of a good saying for, for bad signal. It might be like Courtney, Steve, Greg and John (laughs) better edge and bad signal all together. I will listen. I'm going to tell you what I'm not excited for. And here are my topic ideas last week. I I had to kill you for that plus 200 bet. I I will. I will. I will tell you on the rest of your bets this week. Um, The Patriots are having major issues. 
apparently up there in Foxborough and the rave reviews about the absolute disaster that this offense is in absolute shambles. Like uh, multiple people are saying up there, reporters, Mike Giardi, people that are, are watching in the stands from training camp that Mac Jones has regressed he is making terrible decisions. The offensive line is in shambles. And um, it's no surprise when you lose Josh McDaniels and you have no direction to your offense. You have not named any offensive coordinator. And Matt Patricia is calling plays. So, like I said, I'm hoping that things will get better. But when I'm looking... I'm looking at the, the the toilet bowl of the week right now is to kick these things off on preseason is Patriots and Giants. How you feel about that? It's not going to be. Should we just hammer the under on the? I you know I listen. I'm going to give out all my bets later this week, um, on Friday's episode because we're going to double up. We're starting to double up the the bet signal, um, the, podcast content. There you go. Um, I am I am fading the Patriots on just about everything, and now there's a rumor Von Miller was recruiting Odell Beckham to Buffalo. Um, could that oh, be? God. An, yeah. He said, hey, do you want to run it back? It was basically, the jersey swap, jersey swap photos. Jersey swap boys. Yeah, so the That's jersey it. Photoshop, um, that goes um, that goes so long. It was just such a long way. And um, I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what that team is going to look like. I, I will personally fly to Vegas and put $500 on the Bills to win the Super Bowl if that happens. I mean, I mean they're only like plus 350 right now. Really? There were uh, they were. Let me plus see. Five, I'm gonna look plus 550 like a couple of weeks ago. I'm gonna look right now. Super because... Bowl plus 550. I could I could be mistaken, but I am almost certain. You can't jump those odds that fast. Oh, 650, 650. 650. They're, they're plus right. 350 for the AFC. Okay. All right. That, well, that was that's where still I got it. that's still fantastic value. Um, oh my god. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But oh, we gotta take this under on Thursday. Oh, that's what I'm doing. 34 and a half. They ain't scoring 34 and a half First points. First of all, I wanted to, I took, so I took, um, I took Raiders money line and I took that well ahead of time. I think that was like minus one Oh five on better edge. Um, I also took the under because the under on the, on the hall of fame game was epic. I think it had only gone over eh, three or four times. I heard that from our buddy, Josh Applebaum over at VEASAN. Um, that one just barely hit because the Raiders were racking up like running touchdowns and they put Jared Stidham in the game and they were going crazy. Things Got happen a late. Garbage time. Yeah. Touchdowns. Um, that, Oh, that, that line had moved from about 34 down. I think it closed at 29 and a half. Wow. So if the over under right now is at 34, um, I, I'm going to hammer the under. You gotta I think, take that I think we can confidently say that that's that's the bet that I'm taking this week. Five, think about it. Five touchdowns between those two teams nope. is gonna is that's a lot to ask. Um, also, the point spread here. The Giants are favored. What's going on with this? Because the Patriots are terrible. And so you the know Giants. The Did you watch Daniel Jones throw football? This I, week? I don't care. Have you seen? I mean, Daniel um, Mac Jones is gonna be in there for one quarter, one series. I don't even know who the Patriots' backup quarterbacks are. They got a bunch of they, they got a couple rookies. Oh my god! It's gonna be bad. News. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be real bad news. Um, other news in the NFL that I wanted to talk about: 
Sean McVay seemingly um, running it back with his words right now because earlier in the week, or maybe it was late last week, I believe, Matthew Stafford has been dealing with abnormal elbow soreness in his throwing arm that they would equate to an injury that would happen to a major league baseball player. I don't know, Clayton Kershaw, Matthew Stafford, you want to put two and two together, that it's abnormally painful? Sounds to me like 33-year-old Matthew Stafford is headed for Tommy John surgery. And I mean, I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves on this. He's kind of, he's, McVeigh has gone back on his word, um, obviously, because he didn't want to make it so, make it out to be so much of an issue. But I, I, with all the talent there, they lose Matthew Stafford. Um, I'm not, I'm not so sure that the Rams are, are slated to win that division. And we had the great, uh, Mike Silver on this podcast last week, a week and a half ago. And, um, he was saying that if the, if the Rams stay healthy, then that's their division to take, but he would not keep the 49ers out of this equation. They still do have Jimmy Garoppolo and, uh, Trey Lance is a force to be reckoned with. He expects him to have a really big year. You're not really buying the 49ers. I'm not buying Trey Lance. I don't right. know. I, I, I'm not buying him because Jimmy Garoppolo took them to, I, and maybe it wasn't because of Jimmy Garoppolo, but he managed them to the point of where they were like four minutes away. They were a four minute drive and a field goal away from going to the Super Bowl last year. All right. Well, and, I mean, if, and, if, if the defense had made plays, then they would equally have been talking about Matthew Stafford fucking up late in the game. I, right. So I, I just don't, way. I just don't, I think you're putting a lot on a guy who it's, he's really more of a rookie. Like, yeah, I know he played a little bit last year. He got his feet wet, right? He played in situations where he didn't really throw. He, they run on like plays there at a wildcat or whatever, maybe not wildcat, whatever it was. I think you're putting a lot on him now say like this team was in the NFC championship game last year. And now you're our leader and we expect you to take us to the Super Bowl Cause that's what you're doing in that situation. Right. Cause you're like, Oh, Jimmy only could get us so far. We think you could take us to the Super Bowl. Oh, by the way, this guy only played like four or five games last year. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I think it's putting a lot on him. I think we're like really high on him. I know the skill set when he got drafted, I know we're really high on him, but I just, no, I think it's a lot of pressure for the kid to live up to. I, I think he's going to disappoint a little bit this year. I'm not looking at the 49ers as I have to see. I'll let you know after week four. But right now, I think you put a lot of pressure on him to disappoint. Yeah. Okay. So would you put the pressure higher on a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance? Because to be honest, the Bears are in worse shape than the, the 49ers. Bears are in, the, Bears the Bears are in terrible are in shape. Dire, are in dire, dire shape. But they're not expected to win anything. I Trey mean, Lance is expected so to they're, win. So they're going to put their they're going to put their second year quarterback, who is you know highly touted, and um, they're still going to put him out there to be fed to the wolves. <laughs> you know, like you That's could say true. the same. You could say the same. I mean, at least at least the 49ers have an offensive line. You know what he is capable of when he is scrambling and and you know and, and going on the on the run here with Trey Lance. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think I think we need to see like a little bit more. I guess of preseason action. I mean, I'm not really, I, 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 I would consider preseason action to be somewhat of the same as, um, you know, dropping the schedule with people making assumptions. I think it's absolutely overblown, but 
at the same time, you know, I, 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 I am reading who is up and who's down, you know? Um, and apparently Jordan Davis on the offensive line for the New York jets. Like, I think the jets are going to be really good. Like you think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be really good. The word out there is that sauce Gardner is the real, real fucking deal that their edge rushers are killing it. And Jordan Davis is like someone like you, you better pray to like that you don't face him in the, in the uh, regular season, because this guy is an, is an absolute force. Wait, um, wait, timeout. You're leaving out one thing. Zach, Zach Wilson is a G. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson yeah, no. Are you kidding? Wait, did you see the video of him? And he made that one handed catch like Neo in the matrix. Yeah, yeah, but he's not a wide receiver. No, I need to see him I mean, read a defense and throw the ball down the field here. No, I think Zach Wilson's – I think he's going to make a bigger leap than Mac Jones. Hot take. Hot wow. Take. All nice. right. I mean, I mean, when you go – can I say this? I mean, when you're going around banging your mom's best friend, like maybe you got the confidence levels up. So, you know. You guys, <laughs> no, it's, it's big it's, risk energy, man. Big risk big, energy. Big energy. Big Zach risk Wilson. energy right there. Zach Wilson. So. I am. I am high on him. Well – um, uh, we can get to a so couple wait, of wait. Here's my question yeah. before you start. Yeah. Since you're high on the, you think the Jets are going to be good, right? Like, I mean, I would never take this and never tell anybody in their right mind to take it. But would you take the Jets, take a shot on the Jets plus 2400 to win the East? Maybe. I mean, if Josh Allen gets hurt, that changes the, um, that changes maybe, maybe 2400 is uh, a lot. Um, I think I got it. I got to see. I mean, listen, like the, the dolphins, you can't count out the dolphins as well. The talent on that roster is, is phenomenal. And I think Tyreek Hill is going to make Ty Tua Tungavailoa look like Super Bowl Jesus. Like, yeah. I mean, if he doesn't, if he, if he doesn't, he's going to mask. No, but listen, this is what happens when you have a great wide receiver. Why Antonio Brown was so good at just going up and getting balls. Like, I mean, why Chad Johnson was a legend because you just, you know I mean? Like you can mask. Um, inaccuracy. They just throw a ball up for you. And if you're talented enough, that's what a good talent wide receiver will do. I know. I know. I gonna really wish that he didn't, that he, that he didn't come to new England. And he stayed in Miami because um, I, I think, I think the dolphins have the dolphins have the most talent that they've had in a very long time. But I can remember back about 10 years ago when they equally had great talent and they disappointed. So the dolphins, that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about them disappointing. I, I'm not because I live in South Florida now and I know the temperature of this market and a lot of people are are used to being disappointed. This is a basketball town. This is a Miami Heat basketball town. And they understand that the Dolphins are just a, a general disappointment all the way up to their owner and Stephen Ross, who, bye-bye for a little bit. <laughs> See yeah. you later. See how, you, pal. How great, how great is that, that Tom Brady – handed the dolphins another L and he's not even on the team. I know it's unbelievable. He's doing it from the other Florida coast. It's unreal. It's it's unreal. Well, Steve, will I see you later this week? Yes, you will. Dropping picks on here. Dropping picks on here. Well, you know what? Steve drops locks on his sub stack every single day. So, I mean, I might have to go subscribe to that newsletter, but we will come back for a Friday episode. We will record on Thursday. Don't worry, Steve. We're going to record this on Thursday. So we're going to drop the lock. Um our first lock for the the Patriots and Giants game obviously is hammering that under. I might just drop like 100 bucks on the under. 
right now. Th- thousand. No, 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 no. It's preseason. <laughs> it's preseason. It's preseason, guys. It's pre-season. Chill, out. chill out. Chill out. It's pre- preseason. <laughs> now, don't everybody, don't anybody freak out. Right, oh my God. Um, all right, Steve. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. And I'll see you later this week. See you later this week. All right, guys. Without further ado, it is the great Dan Shaughnessy. It is a pleasure and an honor to have one of my longtime mentors. I wouldn't be anywhere in this business without Dan Shaughnessy. Long time ago, back in the year 2009. Oh, it was many eons ago. Dan Shaughnessy took me on a uh, quite possibly the best day ever i went to the globe to go visit then we went to comcast i i met michael felger and i hand handed him one of my paper resumes and then we went to fenway and then it was all all good and all all, all smiles and roses from there but dan shaughnessy at the boston globe um how you doing today i'm just fine courtney how are you i'm great i'm great you said you had to uh you know make make sure the lighting was good on the podcast yeah. you had to get your hair done Sure, I get to get the hair done down here at Cape Cod here. I had to make sure everything's just perfect for your podcast. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, like I could make the joke about the curly hair boyfriend, but I'm just going to ask you yourself. You know, you have many names, um, you know, many beloved names in the in the Boston Boston sports media from the fans and from all of our colleagues and all of that stuff. But um, how did you get the name curly haired boyfriend from Carl Everett and the Red Sox clubhouse. Yeah, that one was uh, 2000 and w- 2000 on the nose. Um, <laughs> you know, he was uh, he was really a talented guy and kind of a charming guy. He came to the Sox uh, for a, a, a shortstop who never did anything. They got him and he was the starting all-star switch hitter. I mean, the first year they got him like, why did Houston give this guy away? Why has he been with so many teams? Then we found out, you know, because he, he would have these what we call nut clusters and he would he had one in Chicago and he went off on me and um, it was, it was really bad. It was, it was during the team chapel, which is always interesting. You know, they'd have their, their, their phony chapel thing on Sunday morning. And then some guy would be going off, dropping F-bombs left and right in the clubhouse. And, but that went on and I could tell by the, his teammates were afraid of him. And yeah. uh, like a week later, it was a national television game on a Saturday. Tim McCarver was in the booth and that's when he had the nut cluster with uh, Ron Culpa, who's still an umpire. And he headbutted him. He headbutted the umpire and got suspended for that. And, and he was walking around the bat, the dugout with a bat in his hand. And again, you could see the teammates were afraid of him. This was on national TV. So these things were happening. And late, late in the year, I was in Sydney at the Olympics. And uh, Gordon Eads, the, the great Gordon Eads, was our beat guy. And uh, Carl had had a dust up with his teammate, Darren Lewis, who was a great guy, everybody loved. But they were rolling around the carpet in the clubhouse. You know, it was just crappling. And everybody knew. And they were asking people about it. And uh, he said, anybody from the Globe, get the bleep away from me. And he said to Courtney's, and that goes for your curly-haired boyfriend, too, which is, you know, kind of cool hate speech, I guess, if you want to go there. And and um, and I started getting all these calls in Sydney. I'm, I'm like, time difference, you know, whatever. It was a different day or whatever. 14, yeah, 14 yeah, hours. He, that's where that started. But, you know, we got Scoop. We got Shank. We got the, the mayor of Hartford called me a Chia pet, which I thought was pretty good. So, you know, there's been a number over the years. And you dish it out you can take it were there any um any nicknames that came out of the uh the celtics locker room and uh you know i have to plug your amazing book wish it lasts forever um and this is why i'm having you on here perfect timing you know what i mean like yep. there's couldn't be better timing if there was like a whole upheaval when rob manfred gets fired as the commissioner of baseball and 
and um, you know, and then we have to usher in Theo Epstein. Then I'll have you on a guest as a guest. But um, you know, with the unfortunate passing of Bill Russell, who lived a you know an unparalleled life, so fulfilled, you know, died, passed away peacefully at 88. And then we have Vince Scully, who also passed away. Um, I you know I had to bring on the my favorite historian on the podcast to to tell some stories about their glorious life. But um, you had unprecedented access back in the eighties. That was when the yes. beat reporters actually traveled with the team. Um, you know, these were fancy hotels. I mean, you were yeah. down the hall having drinks with Larry Bird and, you know, I mean, really crossing paths. So um, what, what was that like for a lot of the, uh, the viewers and the listeners that haven't read your book yet, which is fantastic. Yeah, it was old school stuff. And again, we were able to tell the fans, the readers, what they were like, because we were living with them. And, you know, it was it was complete immersion. You know, you rode the team bus to practice. You sat and watched practice. You, you flew with them on commercial air travel, waited for bags together, get your bags, throw them under the bus, get in the bus, go to the hotel, get a key, go to the room. And then, you know, late at night, you're cruising around, you go out of the hotel bar and Larry's in there with Quinn Buckner, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was un, just access all the time. And uh, a lot of funny things come out of it. And, you know, yeah, my nickname there was Scoop. It started off being Scoop. Yeah. And because uh, Maxwell said, you're always getting the damn Scoop. And, and Larry would walk into the locker room and Larry would say, Scoop, do you notice how quiet it gets when you walk in here? Yeah, 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 I understand that. And then Mikhail turned it into Shank because I was <laughs> knifing guys in the back and Oh, Shank, is your shoulder sore from driving pipes for everybody today? Just the usual. It was always kind of in goodwill. When I see those guys now, it's deep down, they all like me, except Robert Parrish, I think, still does hate me. No one's sure why. Yeah. But yeah, it was It was just, again, great that no one's ever going to have that kind of access anymore. There's a big moat, you know, with today's money and the, and the, the five-star hotels they stay in and, and the charter travel that they do. And you can't even go in the room anymore, and that'll be forever. I mean, COVID was the first reason to kick people out of the room, but now – I don't think it'll ever come back in the NBA and the NHL. Yeah, that's a, you, is it is it disappointing? I, I know that you've you know often just kind of criticized the things that I mean, like in a good way, and I I agree. No. You know, al although I don't miss a media scrum at the end of a football game, but I I think that the access and those personal relationships that you build with um, specific players and the access, it's almost like the players now. They're like, I, I don't, I don't want to talk. Stay away no. from me. You know, it's, it's yeah. now they're like, oh, so we don't have to do this. It's now going to be less and less and less. Oh, sure. um, do you, I mean, do you, do you wish it was like the, the old days or, or how, how yeah, as a it's, journalist it's, do you like, do you just. It, it's evolution. I don't bay at the moon. It's gone away and uh, the fans are poorer for it. Um, it's interesting that, uh, uh, you know, that's where you learn about your team. And, or even talking to the guys in the opposite team that they're playing, you learn about your own team and not having that access. People, there's a lot of guessing going on now. You listen to these shows and sports radio shows, TV shows, and they're guessing about things. They don't really know. Um, the Red Sox this week traded Alex, excuse me, traded Christian Vasquez, their longtime catcher. And I'm sure guys are upset. This is hard. Baseball still has some access, so they can go in there and ask JD Martinez and guys, does this bother you? And Xander Bogos, does this bother you? What direction it's going in? So, it helps to know those things. But by and large, the players don't like it. They don't want us in there. I understand that. And they can communicate to the fans directly now with social media. So really, we're just sort of in the way. And uh, that's why it's not coming back. And, and the leagues don't value it. Adam Silver doesn't value it. So you won't see people. No one knows Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown the way knew, we knew Maxwell, Bird, McHale, and Parrish because we could yeah. 
who's just with him all the time. So that's a loss, and you get a lot of guessing. Does Jalen Brown like Tatum? How does he feel about the trade rumors, that kind of thing? Yeah. It's just people stabbing in the dark as opposed to knowing. We knew when Maxwell had to go and that Larry was mad at him and mm-hmm. what's going on. I mean, you just had a sense of this will not be – the team's not going to be upset when they trade Cedric Maxwell because they're kind of done with him right now, and that's the way it was in 1985 when Walton came on board. So it's a little bit of a loss to the fans, but the fans hate the media so much that they'll – they, they they applaud any time that, that we that you know Belichick gives us the finger. The media loves that. It's it's always yeah. yeah yeah I know. It's just like what, what what could you do wrong now? Oh, yeah. you could do everything wrong. Um, could you have any um any any anecdotes or great stories about the great Bill Russell? It's I mean, um, really unprecedented to the fact that deep into his eighties he became an unofficial mentor for young kids in the NBA. Um, had this real fatherly moments with yeah. Kobe Bryant. And I feel like everyone, he kind of took them under this, under their wings. And I, I really don't think there was, there couldn't have been a bad word said about him. I mean, for all the, all of the stories of the great Bill Russell, I mean, he was just a, a big gentle giant and a, you know, a, a, a real powerful soul. It's nice that the league really honored him. We respected him. Because, you know, he wins 11 championships in 13 years. He walks away in 1969. He came back as, you know, coach GM in Seattle and with the Kansas City, which is now Sacramento franchise. Mm-hmm. But he was out of the league for good by the 80s. He did broadcasting. <clears throat> he was part of the CBS team for a while. Mm-hmm. And then they named the finals MVP trophy after him. And they would bring him around for the finals every year. And he was respectful. You know, he'd, he'd give Barkley the finger. He was funny with Shaq. You know, he had that whole thing going. So it's just great to have him around. Increasingly, his health, he got to be 88. He wasn't moving real good. And and I think, you know, his 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 wife, Janine, was kind of controlling the narrative a lot there toward the end. So would have been nice if, if the Celtics could have won the championship and Russell was there to present the MVP to Jason Tatum or something like that one yeah. last time. But it didn't evolve that way. But he... I would say the only the media had the most trouble with him of anybody because, you know, a lot of people, you know, he wasn't going to help you do your job. He was uh, not going to suffer fools. He was a challenge. Wasn't always in a good mood. There was often a do not disturb sign metaphorically around his neck. Yeah. And uh, you just you you kept your distance if he was in one of those places. Interesting. Occasionally, <clears throat> excuse me, he would be in a good place. And uh, he had a daughter, has a daughter, Karen, who went to Harvard uh, Law School. And I yeah. uh, was had a mentoring program around Cambridge and New England. And when Bill would come back and help her advocate for that and get the word out, he would do interviews. He came to the executive dining room of the Globe one time and sat with us and told stories yeah. for like an hour. It was great. And uh, he told me this great story about just intellectually how, because with Russell, it wasn't about scoring the most points as much as it was, you know, getting inside the head of your opponent and, and beating them intellectually and in every way. Because sometimes like Chamberlain might have better skills than Russell did, but Bill always beat him still. He told the yeah. story about playing a regular season game against the Lakers and uh, they're on the road, just a game in the sixties and they're down two points, 10 seconds to go. Lakers have the ball games games over. You're going to have to foul them or they dribble out the clock or whatever. Yeah. And so the, uh, during the timeout, Russell realizes that Archie clock's still on the floor for them. And he said, you know, he's a scorer. And Russell says, Archie clock's a scorer. If I create a path to the basket, he'll go for it. He'll try yeah. to get two more points. So they win by four instead of two. But I, I can do something about that. So instead of fouling or letting them dribble out the clock, Russell just ser- creates a path to the basket, comes up from behind, chase down block, gets the ball back. They tie it, and the Celtics win in overtime. He wow. loved that. 
you know, just just mentally winning a game because you were smarter than they were and you took advantage of their weaknesses. That's the kind of stuff he loved. The only that day he also he apologized to me for the dozens of times he didn't return my phone calls or speak to me, uh, just saying it's nothing personal. It's just the way it is. And because Red was was always good to me and Red would try to get him to do stuff to help with the book I was writing or whatever. And yeah, he didn't want any part of that. And I understand that. You know what? With a guy like that, Courtney, he gave us his game. That's enough. Yeah, he never lost a game seven, and from University of San Francisco to the Olympics to all the years with the Celtics, twenty-one different winner-take-all games, and he never went home a loser. Right. Is it, I, I, there will be never no, there will never be another one like him. No, no, that's it. I mean, again, it's just he retires the trophy, and uh, it's just I lived it as a child, and then you know. I was in high school before I realized the Celtics don't automatically win the championship every year. I'm like, what, what is this? You know, they didn't I, win. you know what? Like kids my age and you have a son that's my age as well. So it's, we grew up the same way. Hey, yeah. Boston's not winning championships. Well, yeah. That's, that's crazy. What, what could you say about how Bill Russell set the tone for, you know, just as an athlete? I mean, there really wasn't anyone like him that, that was so outspoken and it was, I mean, he really put himself at the forefront of, of, you know, that civil rights movement. Sure. He's a social justice warrior his whole life. I mean, he's born in Louisiana and his family's part of the, the great migration of a lot of Southern families who are being mistreated and abused in the, in that part of our country and ends up in Oakland, California, which is, a, again, a more tolerable, friendly environment for them. And a lot of guys, you can look at athletes, you know, Frank Robinson, their families, they started off in the Southeast and they end up in the West. So anyway, he's part of that and uh, goes to high school with Frank Robinson, a Hall of Fame outfielder, all these great things. So they, um, he, he always carried the, the thing with him. He never um, suffered fools. He didn't care what you thought. So Russell, he goes to college in San Francisco, and then he comes to Boston in 1956. Yeah. And it's not a particularly friendly place for a six foot 10 black man. And, and he never let that go. And he, he, he told us about it and he wrote about it in his books, which are elegant. We always hate it when the great athletes are better writers than the writers, but he was that too. And uh, was extremely um, strong in his positions, not yielding, and made sure the boss knew about it. He was not going to like just lay down and laugh and be a great guy and get along with everybody and have everybody say, oh, what a wonderful Negro man. You know, No, he was going to he was going to be a man and, and let you know what was going on. And he did that. So it was a, a strange situation with Boston. He would say, I play for the Celtics. I don't play for Boston. When they retired his number, he insisted on an empty gym. They had no game, had no ceremony with fans. It was just raising the number uh, with, with Red and some of the teammates. And this went on for decades. And I think over the decades, he, he made some peace with it. And But Boston had to earn that. I was there in 2007 when he got an honorary degree from Harvard. And... Um, Red could always get the most out of him, but he would come around and and uh, but he never let you forget what it was like. And that's OK. He was right. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's really and, powerful. And if you look I, at you, talk, you talked about uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Go get the essay he wrote for Substack, which is really one of the best things that's been done about as a young Kareem, you know, growing when he was Lou Alcindor in high school in New York City and the relationship they had for 60 years. Wow. It's, again, Kareem's a great writer. He told it well. And look at the picture of the Cleveland summit when when Russell came to Cleveland to back up Muhammad Ali with Jimmy Brown, the Cleveland Browns, with young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's a famous picture. And you know, Bill was a pallbearer at Jackie Robinson's funeral. 
I believe he went to MLK's funeral and he was just always out, out front. Wow. Is it um like that was part of my second question that I was kind of getting to when I before I started talking about, you know, a uh, social justice movement and and what a warrior he was. Um, I guess this is a part of life, but I just felt so sad for Bill every time it was just like another one, Casey Jones or, you know, or, or you know, it's um, Elgin Baylor. You go through and he has to wish goodbye to all of his friends, especially, I mean, even Kobe Bryant, as I mentioned, you know, the fatherly moments that he had to, you know, that hit him and obviously the rest of the NBA incredibly hard. But um, do, do you think it kind of wore on him that he was just kind of the last, the last one standing, you oh, know, sure. Tommy Heinsohn as well. Like they were in the same draft class, which yeah. then I realized how old Tommy was. I never realized because he had such a larger than life personality, but um, it's just, yeah, I guess it's a part of life, but I just, um, I think that was the, that was the thing that hit me very hard. It was, it was less that like, you know, one of these greats had passed away, but it was just more of, I feel bad for Bill. It was a very rapid fire time. I mean, th those guys in general had long lives. They were healthy people. They never got really, you know, overweight. They they took care of themselves and had great basketball bodies as, as older men. So these guys uh, lived long lives. And it started, they had eight Hall of Famers on the team that won it in 62, 63. And that was Havlicek's first year and Kuzi's last year. And then in rapid succession, as they got really old, um, Frank Ramsey died in, 19, in 2018. And then a year later, um, it was Tommy Heinsohn, Havlicek, and then Casey and Sam Jones. Sam Jones just died last New Year's Eve around yeah. then. Yeah. And uh, so for Russell, he was kind of left alone. And I called Bob Cousy, who's 94 next week. Um, and he said, well, he beat me to it. He said, I, I'll be there soon. But uh, the only ones left are Tom Sanders, who's 83, and Bob Cousy, who's 94 next week. The rest uh, of them are gone. Um. Was it a was it equally a sad day when Red Auerbach passed away? Oh sure, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, was Red, like? Red had good advice for all the old people. I never forgot it. They would say, "Red, you lived into your nineties. How how were you doing? You smoked cigars your whole life. How'd you do it?" And Red would say, "Don't fall." He always said that. Russell remembered that. Don't fall. It's a really good lesson for all old people. And uh, Red followed that, made it into the new century. And Courtney Red never wanted cheerleaders or dancing girls or whatever they call them there. Yeah. I know. And they didn't bring him out. It was like the week after he died, they were on the floor. It was unbelievable. <gasps> that worked. Uh, but he didn't live to see him win it in 08, which was unfortunate. So, uh, last one Red saw was 86. Wow. Well, I listen, I, I think that the same can go for Myra Craft. The Myra Craft rule with um, after she passed away, it was like, you know, they, the, the personal, you know, culture kids. And there's all of a sudden they're drafting Aaron Hernandez and, you know, guys with shady paths. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you usher in a new regime, but yeah, no red was, I mean, I, I still, I do have memories. I'm lucky enough to remember what the old garden looked like. I can remember going to the Disney on ice Good. was a big thing, you know? Good. So, you know, um, it's definitely the fleet center. No, it's not the fleet center anymore. TD garden is not as, uh, as uh, iconic as that uh, no. that parquet floor that everyone would complain that there was all the dead spots. That was another nice anecdote in your book. <laughs> You're talking about that, all the uh, the old parquet. Yeah, the new garden can't replace the charm of the old garden. You take the poles away, it gets further away from the seating, and you know, horizontal. And 
doesn't smell yeah. anymore. You don't have the no air conditioning, home court advantage, and all those things. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, then we also lost Vince Scully a couple days later. Um, uh, there, there will be no story in baseball that could be told without mentioning Vince Scully. Um, I, what can you say about about his life, his career, his legacy? Well, I wish you could have met him. He'd have been great to you. He was great to young people and a very generous guy, very humble guy. And I, he had to know how important he was and how great he was, but you just couldn't never get that out of him. He was asking about you. He was generous. He loved Boston people. <laughs> he got his break. He's 21 years old. And he told me this story. He was, you know, applying, auditioning all over the place. And he came home and his, his mother said, uh, Red Skelton called and they got a job for you this weekend. And he said, Mom, I don't think it was Red Skelton. Was it Red Barber? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the guy, Red Barber. So uh, he follows up in his first gig. He's 21 years old. He was at Boston University. It was on the roof of Fenway Park, a football game between Maryland, which I know is close to your heart, yes. and Boston University. Look that up. 1949. Uh, University of Maryland. I think they beat BU 14 to 13. Yes, let's go. Gully is underdressed. It's November. He's on the roof of Fenway. There's no booth. He's running up and down the right field roof with a, with a handheld microphone with a long cord. And uh, somebody heard it and they liked it. And that kind of launched his career. Wow. And again, he had gone to Fordham and there's a box score, Courtney, if you look this up. When he was at Fordham, he played center field for the Fordham Flashers, whatever they are. Yeah. In Fordham Rams, maybe. And um, they played Yale. And there's a box score with, with uh, young George Bush playing first base for Yale. And, wow. And Ben Scully playing center field for Fordham. That exists as well. And uh, obviously in Boston, a little bit of heartache, he comes into our situation. He's the voice of the 1986 World Series. Yes. With the Bill Buckner, you know, behind the bag and that yeah. whole thing. Uh, very celebrated for that. But um, he was always generous to all of us. And everybody, when you go out there at the end, the last few years, you want an audience with, with Vin. And <clears throat> he just made you feel like a million bucks. That's just the generous, great heart he was. And literally, the you know, dictating, narrating the soundtrack of, of, of every summer in Los Angeles for the last 60 years. Yeah. Um, at least he got to see a shortened baseball World Series. Oh, yeah. You know the last one, the 2020. What are you? What What are, What are your thoughts on kind of the uh, the COVID championship? So do you do you have like an opinion on on whether they should you be know, it's, an asterisk or not? I try not to think about it because it takes away. I like the fact that Mookie Betts got one. I think he deserves it, so I don't like to diminish it. If you actually look at it, it's like ooh ooh, that's kind of kind of Weasley. But, yeah. you know, 20 years from now, you're just going to like, hey, they won it in, in, in 2020. It's, it's like getting the Medal of Freedom from Donald Trump. You know, it sounds bad at the moment. But in 20 years, when your family says, hey, you got the Medal of Freedom, nobody says who gave it to him. You just, you just got it, you know. So, so I think that, uh, that the, any 2020 awards will, will be remembered that way. Well, that's, that's a, that's a good way. That's a good way to compare. compare. Um, yeah, there was no comparison when I went to watch the Heat in 2014 after their 13 championship get awarded by by barack obama and then you know all the details of the stories that he would tell in his speech and then donald trump was like bill belichick is my friend and i wrote him a letter <laughs> the look of horror on bill's face dan he was like oh, what is happening no no oh my god but we won't get into the politics no no no, no. Uh, I, I have to say, Dan, you have been so great, and I don't want to keep you much longer. I know you're enjoying your vacation, your day off. 
before um, all the craziness starts. Um, you were the first one to teach me how to um, scorecard in baseball. Oh, and good. I still kind of, I need, a, I need a refresher on how to keep you literally pen and paper, keeping the balls and strikes. Well, we will do that. Next time you want to hang out at Fenway, you know my number. I'll find you. You find me. Do it. Oh, God. Uh, as long as you don't run into uh, to uh, Jim Rice. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's a jerk. All right, Dan. Is there anything you want to plug going forward? Any new books that you got? You got no, just, no, the old book is Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. That's still out there. It's on Amazon. And, and uh, I'll, I'll plug anything you want me to plug. That's the only thing I got out there now. Just read the Boston Globe. Go online and read the Boston Globe. I'm in there all the time. Yes. And uh, read your Sunday column. It's always my favorite one. My mom still sends me sends me your articles like all the time. And my Aunt Carol, too. Just well, that's like, why I love those guys. Thank, thank them for me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dan. Thank you so much. Take care, I see a red door and